back to another episode of The Money Stop, and alongside Cole Cusimano, my name is Steven, coming to you after Coca-Cola 600 race weekend and what was another dominant performance by Hendrick Motorsports, and specifically Kyle Larson, who picked up win number 269 all-time for Hendrick Motorsports, the winningest team in NASCAR history officially now. Splash and go, let's get right into it, Cole. Uh, Kyle Larson won all four stages, which obviously includes the race win, then that is now three straight wins for Hendrick Motorsports for three different drivers. So uh, William Byron's the only one out of the four that has not won in the last three weeks, and he's been running exceptionally well as well. So, uh, you know, it's the same. I don't want to go into the same things we've kind of talked about the last two or three weeks with how dominant Hendrick Motorsports has been. But, I mean, what is there to say at this point? We've heard Rick Hendrick say in press conferences that this is the most confident that he has ever been in his four-car stable from top to bottom in, in history, and, and we mentioned it's, it's kind of been top-heavy at times with Jimmy Johnson and Jeff Gordon, two of the greatest of all time, and then a little bit of a drop-off there, but seriously, I mean, it's he said that before they were winning all these races and dominating, and it was just, the writing was on the wall that a streak like this was going to happen, and here we are uh, entering this summer stretch. It's the first week of June. We head to Sonoma this week, and Hendrick Motorsports is clicking on all cylinders. Right, and I think all we can really say at this point is, or I guess all we can question at this point is, can they sustain this pace? And in short, I'm going to say yes, just because I feel like there hasn't been a single week where a Hendrick car has not been a contender, whether it be Kyle Larson on a weekly basis, William Byron posting top five, top ten speeds, and now you have, obviously, Alex Bowman and Chase Elliott turning it on. I think that this team is the best in the garage by far. I think we're going on four weeks now, finishing 1-2. Another top five finish for all four cars in the Coke 600. And not to mention, they could have easily finished one, two, three, four again yeah. had Kyle Busch not spoiled the party. So I, I just, like you said, there's not much to say at this point. I'm kind of blown away by how big of a turn they took, like, you know, looking back to like the 2017, 2018, even 2019 days. Like they turned this corner so sharply. And the I guess, you know, the only other question I have in mind is if they can carry this over with the next gen car. I mean, that's the thing. It's, uh, you know, it's great for them this year, but starting next year, as you alluded to, it's a clean slate. I mean, there's no telling which team is going to come out, uh, you know, with all four tires spinning uh, when we get to this next-gen car in 2022. But, you know, harping back on it for just one more time, the results are one thing, but you mentioned Kyle Busch and him being able to get up there and finish third and kind of spoil this party for Hendrick Motorsports. But the most telling thing, like, forget the results, the most telling thing is the way that all of these other drivers and crew chiefs and team owners are responding to what is happening. Like, when you look at Kyle Busch after the race, just dejected that, like, they put on an absolute clinic over every reasonable expectation of what they should have been able to do this week, but they just, even at their very best, their peak performance, they had nothing for Hendrick Motorsports, and you can just see it all throughout the garage and all the different personalities uh, in the different teams, the different manufacturers, that... The, this team is is in a league of its own right now, and there's no question about it. And, and we talked about it last week, whether it's short tracks, whether it's intermediate, mile and a half, super speedways, road courses, they are just absolutely dominating in a way that we've never seen before from at least, again, the whole four-car stable. So it's all good things for Hendrick Motorsports. I mean, I, again, there's not much else to say other than what we've already talked about. Um, so let's just talk more about the other teams that 
are sort of having their ebbs and flows, their ups and downs throughout this year, and looking at specifically the bubble right now, because we are almost halfway through the regular season, and in fact, I think we are we halfway are. through. We're yeah. halfway we, through the regular season. We actually season. have, I want to say, 11 races now until the cutoff at Insane, Daytona. and it came up so quickly. So as we've started to, to look at the point standings and kind of talk about them, they haven't had a ton of impact. You know, we've kind of just glanced over them, but we're getting to that point where it's actually starting to matter. So looking at the bubble now, uh, there's some trouble for Chip Ganassi Racing and the likes of people like Kurt Busch, who had a last place finish at the Coke 600, and then uh, Matt Benedetto struggled once again. And then you've got a, a couple of these other teams that we mentioned graduated from Stacking Pennies, our segment uh, last couple weeks, such as Chris Busch or Tyler Reddick, who are starting to turn it on and maybe establish themselves as potential guys who could make the playoff cut and, and contend for a championship to some degree. Well, listen, 11 races is a long time, but the way Tyler Reddick specifically is performing right now is unbelievable. I, I truly believe, I said it last show, I'll continue to say it, I think he's going to be good for a win here very shortly. Just mm -hmm. clicking off top 10s consistently, he's had top 5, top 10 speed on a weekly basis as well, and he just extends that lead uh, into, the, uh, into the playoffs, as well as Chris Buescher. I mean, again, this was his fourth top 10 of 2021. Fourth at a uh, intermediate track, and that program really has dialed in at these 550 horsepower tracks, the mile and a half tracks. Just really cool to see. I think he's going to have probably the best season of his career. Don't know if he will make the playoffs on points, uh, depending on the winners and, and if people can turn it on towards the second half of this regular season, but it's looking really good for him right now. And you mentioned Matt Benedetto. There was a point in time where I feel like everybody in the NASCAR world thought that he would he would win, and he'd win in, in, in bunches, but he's just been so off the mark this year and towards the end of last year. It's kind of, it's kind of you know, surprising, just because he'll have a race or two here or there where he'll run inside the top 10 or around the top 15, but aside from that, it's been 20th place, 25th place days, and there's no real rhyme or reason for it. Like, there's no penalties, there's nothing really, like, that set them back as far as crashes or whatever, it's just failure to execute. And it was kind of surprising this week because teams had the luxury of practicing qualifying and they still did not hit it on the head at all. Uh, he came out, I want to say, in the late 20s. But that team that's a team that really has to turn it on. 31 points out in 17th. That's a lot of rounds to make up. You mentioned Kurt Busch, 59 out in 19th. And Ross Chastain, another CGR guy, finished just ahead of his teammate Kurt Busch, and he's, he's 69 points out in 21st in the standings. So those are three guys I'm looking at to really turn it around and kick it into gear here. And I guess kind of looking at the bubble beyond that, those are the three guys I'd peg as the best chance to make it in via a win or points if they can. And looking at the Coke 600 specifically, it was mechanical failures for both of those Chip Ganassi cars. And so they've had their weeks, you know, especially early in the year uh, for Kurt Busch, at least, was strong quite a few weeks in a row. And then Ross Chastain entered this race really on a hot streak in the best couple races of his career. So, you know, there's something there if they can mm -hmm. kind of sustain success and and put together complete races and not have the mechanical issues that they ran into, obviously, this week. Uh, you know, like you said, 11 races is a very long time, and there's no telling what could happen. I do want to go back to Chris Buescher for a second, though, because he is a guy that, I mean, we 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 talked about this, like, what, five weeks into the season. We talked about this after Vegas, I think, how, you know, 
Roush Fenway Racing has its mile and a half program dialed into gear. And so we have had Chris Busher in our DFS lineup recommendations every single week, I think since Vegas, and it has paid off. It doesn't matter where he started. And, you know, last week, he I can't remember exactly where, uh, but he did not have a good starting position. We still locked him in, and he has been one of the top point scoring drivers in fantasy purposes at mile and a half tracks. And what more do you need to see? And even in terms of, of Vegas and the, the odds makers and the bets makers, I mean, why is this guy being so undervalued? It doesn't make any sense to me. And now that we're harping on it, maybe, just maybe, they'll they'll give him the credit he deserves at these tracks. But, you know, at this point, it's like, if he is if, if he's at a mile and a half track and he is starting relatively deep in the pack, he's got to be locked into your lineup. There's no question about it. And again, you know, this is, he's putting together the best season of his career right now because of this little bit of a resurgence for Roush Fenway Racing. So, We'll see what happens if they can end up in the playoffs this year. And, and again, Matt Benedetto, it, very similarly to Chip Ganassi Racing, he has shown glimpses, right? I mean, there's been signs of life. He's just inconsistent. There's been a lot of times where, you know, again, he's kind of similar to Alex Bowman in that he's emotional and, and sometimes can let those emotions of, of a tough loss or finishing second or third or, you know, a tough break at the end of a race getting to him, the, you know, the following weeks and it kind of drones on. But, you know... It, again, just in closing with that, it's a long season. Those guys, uh, it, we'll see how it plays out. But right now, um, they've definitely got some ground to make up. But looking at the drivers that are stacking pennies right now, because you know we just talked about a couple guys who graduated from this segment where we talk about drivers who consistently, a couple weeks in a row, put together uh, good performances. And right off the bat, uh, very fittingly, the guy that this segment is named after, his catchphrase from last year, Corey LaJoy, how about it? I mean, this guy had an absolutely abysmally bad start to the season, finishing, what, between 35th and 40th almost every week. And here he is, back-to-back uh, -back difficult race weekends, the Coke 600 and the Circuit of the Americas, where we've never been to, and also two different, completely different kinds of tracks. And he finishes 19th, back-to-back -to -back top 20 finishes. And that's just crazy to see for a guy like that. And um, again, for his, his namesake, you know, he's the reason we're even calling the segment Stacking Penny, so we got to feel really good for that team. Absolutely, and you know what? It makes me wonder, like, if we had practice and qualifying, if this team at Spire Motorsports would be better off, because you got to think that all these teams had the luxury of, of dialing it in before the big race, and you kind of saw who rose to the forefront, and to be honest, looking at the results, there wasn't that much of a difference. I think three cars outside the top ten managed to finish inside of it when it was all said and done, but... Corey LaJoy finishing 19th at in the longest race of the season uh, in that number seven car. That, that That's a big step for that team. And we've seen them run well on many occasions, namely road courses. So I'm, I'm thinking heading to Sonoma this week, he could be poised for a pretty solid day once again. And then jumping on somebody else who, who rebounded and could be stacking pennies, we'll say he's stacking penny singular this week, is uh, Bubba Wallace. After finishing 39th at Coda, finished 14th. And it, I guess it's, it's baby steps. They've been getting their top 15s. They've been running near the top 10. And it's just a matter of when they can kind of close it down. Because they have the speed, but they'll get caught in a wreck. Or they'll speed. Or something will happen. And, you know, and that'll that'll get Bubba down. He's like like Matt Benedetto, like Alex Bowman, mm -hmm. he's an emotional-driven driver. And that's great for the sport. But eventually, you got to get over it. you got to persevere. And I think that Bubba's time is going to come. I think he'll start getting top 10s. Uh, here shortly, Sonoma might be a little bit of an uphill battle just because he's not the most renowned road racer, but we'll see. 
And then we'll close it out with Eric Jones. Back-to-back 16th place finishes. It's not what we're accustomed to with Eric Jones in his Gibbs career, but, you know, driving for Richard Petty Motorsports, it's a step. And, and you know, he, he has two top 10s in the year. Hopefully he can get some more uh, as the mid-season approaches, but, you know, it, it's a step. Yeah, I mean, it's all about expectations, and every team obviously has different expectations based on what kind of equipment they're working with and, and all different kinds of circumstances. Going back to Bubba Wallace for just a second, it seems like a couple weeks in a row, and I don't have these numbers in front of me, but his average running position has been a lot better the last few weeks. And again, like you mentioned, the finishes haven't been there, but it just feels like he has been running a lot more consistently in the top 10, and maybe we'll find these stats by the time the end of the show happens, but you got to feel good for uh, for Bubba Wallace right now because just from the eye test, like you said, uh, finished 14th this week, but seems to be running a lot more consistently in the top 10. But rounding out the Cup Series at the Coke 600, let's roll through the top 10. Again, Kyle Larson, Chase Elliott, Kyle Busch, William Byron, Alex Bowman, 1 through 5, 6 through 10, Austin Dillon, Denny Hamlin, Chris Buescher, Tyler Reddick, and Kevin Harvick. So, Again, uh, just kind of recapping our DFS lineup, uh, it did very well with the exception of Kurt Busch. I I think, and again, I don't have these numbers in front of me either, but I want to say that every one of our drivers in the initial lineup that we made that we actually didn't post on on social media ended up finishing in the top 10. Um, And let's see, Austin Dillon. Yeah, so I I think we we were in the right space, but Kurt Busch kind of derailed day and you just you can't predict mechanical failure so it is what it is but before we move off of charlotte motor speedway in total let's talk about the xfinity and trucks ty gibbs rebounded for his second xfinity series win after daniel hemrick absolutely dominated led a race high 105 laps and then in the truck series john hunter nemechek his third win of the year and carson hosever impresses yet again much like hms there's not much you can say about ty gibbs at this point he is a bona fide superstar The biggest thing for me, and he's going to be racing this week again at Mid-Ohio for the Xfinity Series, I just don't understand how this kid is not sponsored. Like, he he is a superstar. He he is not no fluke. Two wins in your rookie season through whatever it is, five, six races, is outstanding. As an 18-year-old, right? As an an 18-year-old. And he's he's going out and dominating all these ARCA races, winning in there, too. He actually won the same day in the ARCA race when he won the Xfinity Series uh, at Charlotte. So, just outstanding individual he holds himself really well for his age as well and um i'm really really excited for this next chapter of nascar with ty gibbs he kind of reminds me of like i guess joey logano in in our age growing up watching the nationwide series like he's this next superstar he'll be our next i guess joey logano kyle bush it's it's cool to see and then yes john hunter nemechek once again establishing himself as the championship favorite for the truck series and carson hosefer man Third, seventh, and second his last three races. And then, I guess, just going back on what we were talking about last episode, we talked about Zane Smith and Stuart Friesen having to turn things around, and that was definitely the case uh, at Charlotte. So, uh, Zane Smith finished 10th, but he scored the third most points of the day with 43. That was big for him, and Stuart Friesen comes home in fourth. So, those guys turned it around as we kind of expected to. Hopefully, they can keep up that pace as well. But overall, I think it was a pretty solid day. My only complaint was, I guess, the 600, but I there's not much to complain about because you know what you're getting with this race now. It's just a lot of green flag runs, not a whole lot of passing. The PJ1 they put down didn't help at all, I, I really think. And honestly, this will be a kind of obsolete going into next year with the next-gen car and practicing qualifying returning. I think this race of all would have benefited from not having 
either of those. I know you gotta have it being as a crown jewel race, but, you know, if you had set this these metrics by the results and the formula for Coda, you would have had a lot more parity throughout the field, you would have probably had a lot of guys chasing their cars throughout the race with the day and night transition, and it would have made for a lot better race. I don't think it would have changed the results of Kyle Larson going out there and dominating because he likely would have started top five, but at the same time, it could have made things interesting. Um, I do want to ask you one thing. So, in terms of Charlotte and the product we've gotten in the last 10 years, what do you think needs to be done for it to change? Because it really has been lackluster at best, and that's why we lost a race in the playoffs and got the Roval. Well, honestly, I feel like it's a, you know, there's not much they can do at this point. They could obviously change an arrow package or something like that, but it's, it's kind of a perfect time to introduce this next-gen car because it's sort of going to, in a lot of ways, invigorate the racing and the competition at every single one of these tracks. And that even includes one like Charlotte Motor Speedway that is, of course, the hub of NASCAR and of, of motorsports in America. And, and so it could maybe serve as a revival with, with some renewed competition with these new cars. Uh, and obviously, you, you know, you're not going to change anything drastically right now in terms of making that happen uh, because, you know, there is some things that are impending uh, for 2022. So we'll see what happens there. But again, like you mentioned, you do have to certainly hope that that it does improve because it is one of the premier tracks and most, you know, iconic tracks in the sport. And especially with this crown jewel race, the Coke 600. And, and so you just hope that the racing does improve next year when they get this next gen car out. Officially turning the page to another road course, our second road course in the last three weeks. And that is Sonoma up in wine country, where you will actually be in attendance this week. Uh, it should be a fun Fun track. It's one of the more fun areas to go with, you know, again, wine country and up in the Bay Area, a little bit past there. So um, one of the more desirable locations. And, and so it should be pretty cool. But uh, starting with nickel or dime, talking about what these cars are going to look like. A lot of these drivers, you know, I mentioned it last week. It was the Coke 600 was sort of our last elite week for special paint schemes. And so a lot of the teams have gone back to their primary paint schemes this week. And so not a ton on our graphic this week uh, as far as different paint schemes, but looking at a couple of these that, you know, I like the take that uh, Bush Beer put on their car. It's the normal Bush Beer paint scheme, but being that this race is taking place in wine country, they went with a hashtag beer over wine theme on the car with emojis and, and all this kind of stuff. And again, con continuing to say that that, that sponsor, they, they continue to knock it out of the park with timeliness in their paint schemes. You remember how they catered uh, the dirt paint scheme uh, with, with Bristol Dirt, and they do stuff like this. So it's pretty cool for uh, that number four team. And then and then another one I kind of like out of the special ones is, uh, again, for I think the second time in three weeks, that number three of Austin Dillon, and I'm having trouble reading the sponsor. I think it's a Congressional Sportsman Foundation green and white car. I just like the way that those colors look. I think that they continue to do a pretty good job with those paint schemes. Uh, not a huge fan of the uh, the 18 car this week, the sports clip car for Kyle Busch. Uh, I've seen a couple of other sports clips paint schemes down specifically in the Xfinity series that I've liked better than this one. Um, just looks like they could have done a little bit better with it if I had to pick a dime. I mean, excuse me, a nickel for that one. So again, not not a ton to work with this week, but those would be where, where I'm initially inclined to talk about. Yeah, I don't have a lot to say, honestly. I do like Bush Beer's uh, innovative way of kind of like playing on the wine country weekend having the emojis on the car. I mean, it's 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 a little amateur hour, but it's cool, it's funny, it's it's uh it's timely as you mentioned. And then I guess if I had to pick another dime, I you know what? I don't think I have one. I I think they these are all nickels. I like the color pattern for this these uh Congressional Sportsman Foundation car for Austin Dillon. I love green, I love white, I love black. Three of my favorite color combinations, but 
this design overall is not doing it for me. Mm-hmm. Um, just just doesn't look great. And yeah, the sports clip one, as you mentioned, we've seen great ones from Denny Hamlin, Christopher Bell, and down the Xfinity series. This one, it just looks kind of lazy to me, you know? Um, and the number kind of blends in with the red on the door yeah. and by the trim, so not a good car. Eric Amarola's, this one, it, it just, it clashes. It's all over the place. I don't it's, mind that one. Really? I, I, I like the blue and the red, and I, I kind of like the jagged designs on the bottom of the car. See, uh, what I don't like is that it's two different shades of blue. Like, why is there randomly a, if you're looking at it here, at the underscore money stop for our, our graphic on social media, the shade of blue that's underneath the number 10 is a little bit darker than the middle shade of blue, which is sort of like a powder blue across the majority of the car. Um, which I don't, I don't really understand that. And then the hood looks like it's white, so it's it's interesting, but I don't hate it. Yeah, see, this is where we, we kind of, I guess, drift apart because it, it looks to me, and you mentioned the two different colors of blue, that's where I, I lose it because it should just stick, stuck at one shade. But it looks like kind of like a, a knockoff petty car with the powder blue and that kind of like orangish red, but it's not. It's a former John car, and I guess if you want to get more into it there's some palm trees random palm trees by the front of the number and there's a, <laughs> a random saying on the back quarter panel uh so california so it plays into the california um you know aspect of the race so i guess that's something you can take away from it but honestly I, it's pretty much all nickels for me this week i guess if i had to get out some dimes i let 77 yeah that, was nice. that ben Rhodes will be driving is in his cup debut it's uh patriotic themed um, I'll give, I'll give a dime to, to Kevin Hark if I have to give another one, another one out. And then last car we got on the, on this, uh, graphic is Cole Custer's Haas tooling car. A lot going on. I don't get the F from what I presume is a, a cut bolt or a nut. A wh- like, I, I don't even know what it is. But Probably a, going right over our heads. There's a random F by the front of the 41. I'll tell you, I kind of uh, like I, I the, uh, as you get to the right of the number, it almost looks like a 3D when you're looking to the left of that left rear quarter panel. Uh, the design on there, it almost, again, makes it look 3D. I kind of like that. I like the balance of colors with that sort of gold in the middle and the white and then the gradient sort of gray into That's black on, on the back. You know, this is a car that I feel like if you were to see it in person, I think it would probably look pretty cool, especially if it has sort of a metallic finish, but I don't know if it does. Uh, so that's one that, like, it could be pretty hit or miss if I was to see that one in person, so I, I'm intrigued by it. I, I, If that F, that random F wasn't there, I would give it a dime, but it's just, it's random. I don't, I don't get it. But, yeah, that, that's, that's our take for the nickel and dime segment this week. Now, looking at the starting lineup for the Toyota Savemar 350, from Sonoma Raceway, a track that they have not raced at in about two years because, remember, we had the COVID pandemic last year uh, where they actually had to cancel this race. But looking at the starting lineup, which, again, is decided by the formula that they've been using all year, here's the top 10. Kyle Larson, Chase Elliott, William Byron, 1-2-3 for Hendrick Motorsports, followed by a couple Gibbs Toyotas, Denny Hamlin, Kyle Busch, Austin Dillon, 6th, Alex Bowman, 7th, Kevin Harvick, 8th, and then Brad Keselowski and Tyler Reddick round out the top 10. Other notable starting positions, Brian Blaney in 11th, Joey Logano 13th, Bubba Wallace 15th, Matt Benedetto in need of a big day in 17th, Martin Truex Jr., who had a really, really off day in Charlotte, kind of took everybody by surprise, starting 19th, Michael McDowell, one of our road aces, starting 21st, Eric Amarola 26th, Kurt Busch 30th, and then Ben Rhodes making his cup debut in 31st. 
Yeah, you mentioned uh, Martin Truex Jr. That's something we didn't talk about with Charlotte, um, but he was the favorite to win this race. And, and we're going to take it to the bank here and talk about these odds per bet MGM. Uh, Chase Elliott, probably rightfully so, is favored to win this race. He has won five of the last six road course events. And if not for some poor fortune earlier this year at the Daytona road course, he would have won six straight road course events because he did dominate that race. One thing to keep an eye on though, Chase Elliott, obviously he's been a ringer at, at these road courses ever since he came to the cup series at, at all of them. Six wins in 14 road course starts. He's winning almost half of them, but he hasn't won yet at Sonoma. He finished 37th there the last time in 2019 and had a career best finish of fourth at this track. So Obviously, a lot has changed since then. He's won almost every road course event since they were last at Sonoma, but he's the favorite at 9-4, followed by Martin Truex Jr., who's won the last two races at Sonoma at 9-2 odds, and then rounding out the top five, Kyle Larson at 6-1, Kyle Busch at 8-1, and Denny Hamlin at 10-1. Right, so we'll hit on Truex, then we'll go down the list here. Uh, Truex has won the last two events at Sonoma, obviously last race there at 2019, but, you know, I, I may think twice just because he hasn't been as dominant in recent years at road courses. Highest finish of 12th this year at Daytona. Only 14 laps led in his last four road course events. Hmm. But his last win did come at Sonoma for road courses. And he's on the two-race win streak at that track. But, I mean, overall, he's kind of been on a backslide as of late. Best finish of 19th since winning at Darlington. So, I'm not going to say don't pick Truex, but I'm going to say just tread lightly here. Um, he's starting deep in the pack, or deeper in the pack, so he could have some great fantasy value there, obviously, and he has proven success at Sonoma. Kyle Larson finished second at Coda. He had a shot at winning both road course events in 2021. Also worth noting, he's from Northern California, about an hour and a half, two hours out, and then his career best finish of 10th came in the last race at Sonoma, and as we've seen all year, he can win on literally any given weekend, so why not pick Kyle Larson? I guess your, your only downfall will be starting first, and you have to win if you really maximize your points, but, you know, laps led, stage wins, stuff like that, gotta take into consideration. And then as far as Kyle Busch, it's been a bit of tough sledding at road courses as of late. Last five races, one top 10, and that was the most recent time at Coda, where he finished 10th. Other four races didn't finish higher than 30th, which was really shocking to find out. Um, last time at Sonoma, finished 2nd. Over his last five races, he has a win and all top 10 finishes. And then finally, our final Gibbs car, Denny Hamlin at 10-1 to 1 odds. Bit of a mixed bag at road courses. 15th at Coda, 6th in Daytona, finished top five his last time there in uh, Northern California, and has four top 10s in his last five races there. Yeah, and when it comes to picks, like if you're betting on this race or making a DFS lineup, whatever it might be, I, I want to I go with the slogan that you put on one of our social media graphics this week, and that is ride the hot hand, because I made that mistake last week. I, I said flat out on our last episode of The Money Stop, I thought Kyle Larson was going to win the Coke 600, but just for the sake of changing it up, because I picked a Hendrick car, whatever it was, two or three weeks in a row, I wanted to, to change it up and, and pick Kevin Harvick, who ran well for the first three stages of the race and then faded it out, but... You got to trust your instincts. You got to ride the hot hand. In my opinion, you know, why stop picking these Hendrick cars until they prove you wrong? I mean, it's been three weeks in a row, really more than three weeks, but in terms of winning the actual races, three weeks in a row now, and, and you go to a track that obviously is in Chase Elliott's wheelhouse. Kyle Larson is, in my opinion, the championship favorite right now. He's run well, like you said, at the road course events. That's immediately where my attention turns. However, you know, if you look, if I was to ask you, Cole, Right now, who is the top driver at this point in time, this second, 
not driving a Hendrick Motorsports car, I got to think it's Kyle Busch. And when I mm -hmm. think about Kyle Busch, Sonoma is one of the tracks that I think of. It's one. It's always been one of his best tracks. And like you said, it's been tough sledding at the road courses lately, but it's also been tough sledding in general for Kyle Busch lately. But when you look at his last couple weeks, specifically this past week, as the only one who even stood a chance to these Hendrick cars, I, I think he's going to carry that momentum into, again, one of his best tracks with a good starting position. And I think he's going to have a great day. So those are the three names that stick out to me. Uh, and, you know, I would feel a little bit uncomfortable picking Denny Hamlin or Martin Truex Jr. Just because, like you said, you know, they've been very, very consistent this year. But lately, you know, in terms of riding the hot hand and the momentum, this is a momentum-driven sport, just not a fan of it. Because it, it, they're coming off of their, their worst sequence of races at any point this year. All right, yeah. So I think you hit the nail on the head there. I think JGR is going to be a force this weekend. You can feel comfortable picking Bush, without a doubt. As you mentioned, he's definitely been on a heater as of late. He's not the same driver that he was in 2020. Like, this is a different team. You could tell that they're definitely gelling with Ben Bayshore as the crew chief now. I think that Kyle Bush having that win under his belt early at Kansas has really helped this team out. And they've been, I, I think you're right. I think they've been the best car outside the Hendrick stable uh, at this point in time uh, this season. So you could feel comfortable picking him. And I think that he will be up front all day and likely even leading laps, depending on how those Hendrick cars fare uh, with this new low downforce package. There's something to note also. They will be using the 750 package like they were in 2019, but no more high downforce. It's going to be low downforce, and there's going to be no practices uh, either. So going to be interesting to see how these cars handle. I'm, I'm sure it's not going to be much different, but it's something to note nonetheless. Just not too high on Hamlin given his starting position inside the top 10. With all those HMS guys up front, plus Bush, he should be a top 10 car, but picking him over his teammate or Elliott or Larson or whoever, it's going to be a risk. And then, I guess, just kind of keeping in the Gibbs stable, Bell has no laps at all at Sonoma. I'm not confident in him at all. I know he has to win at the road course at Daytona, but I, I, I would tread lightly there for sure. Not mentioned, though, Kevin Harvick has the best average finish at Sonoma with a 12.7 has the one win in 2017, and finished sixth or better with 62 laps led in his last five races there. For him, though, also been kind of a mixed bag at road courses, but he's starting eighth, kind of in that sweet spot, as we like to mention, when thinking of your DFS lineup. Um, and with that experience at Sonoma, I think he really should be a front runner all day. I'd feel confident picking him as a winner, putting him in your lineup, and he has a very good value this week, I believe $9,800, so that's definitely someone to, to consider putting in your lineup, and also we notice upward trajectory as of late, and SHR kind of turning a corner in a way, take out Coda, five top tens in the last six races. And now those are kind of the obvious names that you were expecting to hear as far as favorites and guys to watch in the race, but there are definitely some others, and that includes Tyler Reddick, going back to riding the hot hand. He has been red hot. He's been, if you had to pick, again, outside of the Hendrick stable, a top five drivers in the last few weeks, Tyler Reddick is right there, and he's from California. He certainly turned around that road course program. We saw him win the pole over at the Circuit of the Americas a couple weeks ago. And then, again, Michael McDowell, road course ace. Two top tens at the road courses this year. Uh, and then Joey Logano, also two top fives at both of the road course events this year. So a couple guys to watch for that may be outside of Logano that you wouldn't necessarily expect. And then you've got a couple others here, too. Right, and I do want to harp on Logano for a second. He's not really a guy you think of when, mm -hmm. when talking about road courses, but two top fives uh, at this year at those types of tracks, that's outstanding. And 
Honestly, I haven't did extensive research here, but I want to say he's probably one of the higher rated drivers at these tracks in 2021. So starting 13th, that's probably going to be a really, really good deal and a good guy to consider for your DFS lineup in terms of points and just proven results. But uh, I guess going outside those guys you mentioned, Chase Briscoe finished top 10 at Coda. He had a really good run at the, the uh, Daytona road course until an early incident, but He's good at these tracks, you know. Um, he doesn't have the experience at Sonoma. It'll be his first time in a cup car there and in a racing there, period. But he will be running the Arca Series race the day before, getting some laps in, some experience. I think that's going to pay off in a big way for him. Um, and, and in addition, like we mentioned it with Kevin Harvick. SHR as a whole has kind of been turning it around. Uh, take out a few like incidents here and there over the past five weeks. He's been a top 10 car, I'd say. He showed top 10 speed. And he's a good road course racer, to be honest. He had the win last year at the Indianapolis road course. Uh, a couple top five sprinkled in there as well between Road America, I believe, and uh, some other ones. But, you know, he's a guy that I really think you should probably be a lock for your lineup. I'll, I'll go as far as saying that. And then kind of to close it out here, Ben Rhodes. He's making his first Cup Series start at Sonoma. But he said uh, in, in his press release that this pairing with Spire felt natural. He considers himself a road racer. Uh, and with a win and top 10 in both truck road course races this season, I, I don't blame him for saying that. And I think that uh, seeing how Corey LaJoy is run and AJ Allmendinger using the same motors, I think that this 77 car could be uh, poised for a really good run here at Sonoma. And with that being said, let's jump right into it with our race picks this week. And then we'll get into the DFS lineup after that. And you picked first last week, so I get to go first again. And so I've picked first at each of our last two road course events, if you include this one. And without any surprise, I'm going to pick Chase Elliott again. It hasn't failed me. I think, actually, at all three road course events, I've picked Chase Elliott. I've had the pleasure of picking first all three times. He almost won the first one. He did win the last one, and I, I think he's going to win this one. And again, I feel, I want to do, I do want to say, I feel very, very strongly about Kyle Busch this week. But if, you know, if you're giving me first pick, my first draft choice this week is Chase Elliott. And, you know, two weeks ago, I picked Michael McDowell as my sleeper. And so, again, I, I don't want to do that again. For So just for the sake of making this fun, even though I, I do expect a pretty solid day out of Michael McDowell, I'm going to pick Ross Chastain as my sleeper because he ran very well at Coda two weeks ago. He was on a string of, again, the best sequence of races of his career. He's been pretty solid on all the road course events this year, and I think he's he's one of those guys that responds well to adversity. He finished 39th again. He's itching to get back in the car, and again, it really, my confidence in him this week relies heavily on the fact that he ran well two weeks ago at this road course, and, and the speed has been there. Obviously, last week didn't finish well because of mechanical issues, so those are my picks this week. Winner, Chase Elliott, sleeper, Ross Chastain. Those are good picks, actually. And honestly, Ross Chastain's a guy I didn't mention here in, in our outline for guys to watch. But, you know, he, he is a pretty good road course racer. He had he ran very well last year in the Xfinity Series. Obviously, had this top 10 at Coda. So, that, that's a, those are two really good picks. You can't go wrong with Chase Elliott. I'm going to go with the other guy you mentioned, Kyle Busch. He, you know, if, even if I got first dibs, I was probably going to go with Kyle Busch just because he's been on a heater lately. And I think he's really motivated to take down these Hendrick cars, you mm -hmm. know he, he does not like being taken down, and um, you can't keep him down for too long, and I think that given his history at Sonoma and how well he's been running, I think that he is going to take down HMS and win this week at Sonoma, 
And for my sleeper, it'll be the guy that you went against, Michael McDowell. I know, out of respect, just, just dropping him because he fits into the last road course, I gotta take Michael McDowell. One of the best in the game at, at these types of tracks. Two top tens this year at road courses, and I don't see him slowing down. And so segueing into our DFS lineup recommendation this week, I feel pretty solid about this lineup. And, you know, it's another week where there's tiers. You've got the three top-tiered drivers in terms of money, in terms of how, you know, they're expected to run. And that is Martin Truex Jr. valued at the most expensive because he's starting 19th and obviously has an excellent track record at road courses and specifically Sonoma. And then you've got Kyle Busch and Chase Elliott, second and third, uh, or I guess third and second, respectively, if you want to get uh, serious about it. But uh, so here is our lineup for this week. We're going to go with our most expensive driver being Chase Elliott at 10500 headlining the lineup. We like him the best out of those top three drivers. We picked Elliott over Truex and Bush. And then after that, we went with Joey Logano, valued at 10100 I believe he was the fourth most expensive and just talked about the reasons why he's a good pick. Top fives in both of the road course events this year. So he seems pretty safe and he starts 13th. So you think... He'll probably get some place differential points. And then Kevin Harvick, our third most expensive driver at 8,900. Again, like you mentioned before, Cole, he's a guy that you don't really think of as well as Joey Logano when you come to a road course and specifically Sonoma, but he's just been so consistent there with sixth place finishes uh, going back to when, did you say, uh, at this track and at the road course event. So uh, Kevin Harvick, you, you know what you're going to get out of him. And then we feel pretty confidently about our sleepers rounding out this lineup too. Now, here's where I feel we can make up a lot of points for you guys, because we have, as our fourth most expensive driver, Michael McDowell. As noted numerous times, one of the best in the game at, at these types of tracks. Valued at $7,600, starting 21st. You know he's going to be good for a top 10. He might even challenge for the win. You never know. It's going to be a lot different conditions than Coda. It's not going to be a torrential downpour. This fits right into his wheelhouse. Starting in that 21st position, you're going to be poised for a lot of points with him. And then uh, next here down the line, we have Chase Briscoe. As mentioned, really good road course racer, valued at $6,900, and he's getting those extra laps in at Sonoma, his first laps in at Sonoma in the Arca Series the day before. I think that's going to pay off in a big way for him. I think he's going to have another top 10 day uh, at, at this road course. And then finally rounding out our, our lineup, we have Ben Rhodes. And here, you know, it's a bit of a gamble, and he's the only guy that I've been questioning, but starting 31st, Valued at 5400 I think he's going to have a really solid day. It, I mean, he has the win. He has a top 10 in, in both road course races and the truck series this year. He's a good road course racer. He seems confident. And this, this car has run well at these tracks in 2021. I think it's going to be a solid day for him. I really do. But, you know, if you are skeptical on picking him, I just felt this was the best route for us to kind of maximize points and having guys like Chase Elliott, Kevin Harvick, Joey Logano in your lineup if you want to take out him and maybe uh well, Kevin Harvick or somebody I mean oh, I'll, I'll take it from there because looking at the drivers that are similarly valued to Ben Rhodes I'm not confident in any of them so Ben Rhodes is at 5400 this week the driver is less expensive than him you're looking at the Balickies, Smithleys, Cody Wares you're not picking any of those guys and then above him guys within $500 or $700 you're looking at Ricky Stenhouse Jr. who is not a great road course racer and he starts in the top 15 Corey LaJoy, who, you know, would be a solid pick, but he's starting 22nd. So, you know, he's you're asking for a lot out of him uh, with that starting position. And then Anthony Alfredo and James Davison, like you're not picking any of those guys. And so out of this tier of drivers, Ben Rhodes seems like a good value. And again, it's a lot to ask for with being his first cup start. But 
we've seen it before with some of these guys who are, excel on road courses typically, and then they make their first start in the Cup Series at one of these uh, road course races, and and they do pretty well. Thinking specifically off the top of my head of Kaz Gralla at the Daytona road course, uh, what, what was it, last year, and he ended up finishing in the top 10 in his first career cup start. So it can be done, and especially just you got to go with the value in these lineups. Even if you were to compromise elsewhere, looking at the drivers that are, you know, if you save a couple bucks here and there above Ricky Stenhouse Jr. in this price range, you're still looking at guys like Ryan Newman, Daniel Suarez, Bubba Wallace. You know, I'm not confident in any of these guys and if you ask me do I think Ben Rhodes has a shot at a top 20 I think he does and if he can do that at least I think he's he's poised for a pretty good points day in terms of fantasy and and I like what you mentioned in that this just opens up so many other possibilities for financial freedom as we continue to harp on the money stop theme here you know like you look at the guys in your lineup you can include you know, when it comes to the higher price drivers, we mentioned that we prefer Chase Elliott because we prefer to have somebody that we think is going to lead a lot of laps, whether that's Kyle Larson, Chase Elliott. If you feel better about Kyle Busch, you can throw him in there too, but it gives you some freedom to maybe upgrade from a guy like Kevin Harvick and do somebody a little bit more expensive like a Kurt Busch who starts 30th and could be a solid pick, but uh, obviously is a really cold streak right now, but it just gives you freedom to do a lot of different things. You could even package guys like Kyle Larson and Kyle Busch if you're confident picking two drivers up front. So I think using Chase Briscoe, Michael McDowell, and Ben Rhodes as a foundation of your lineup, and then going with what you think uh, works the best, I think it's a recipe for success. And especially in our case, I'm feeling pretty good about this lineup. Um, and honestly, I feel more confident about the back end of this lineup than I do about the front end. So it's a little bit conflicting, but I, I feel like at a lot of the road course events this year, you and I have been pretty successful with with our picks and our DFS recommendations, and there's a reason for that. And so I feel pretty good about it. We'll see what happens. Um, but that that is our lineup this week. It's Briscoe, Elliott, Harvick, Logano, McDowell, and Rhodes. And as we always end these podcasts with favorite memories from Sonoma, and, and this is a track that for me personally kind of growing up, and we, again, we started watching NASCAR in 2008. It was never my favorite track only because Again, growing up the Jimmy Johnson fan that I was, this was never his best track. He didn't really excel at these road courses. And uh, thinking at my favorite memory, it's a pretty easy one. It's For me, you sense a common trend. It's usually one of the races that Jimmy has won. And, and I look at that 2010 race, and it's a very memorable one when he got his first road course win at Sonoma. Uh, and if you remember that, that was the one where he ran second to Marcus Ambrose basically the entire race and capitalized at the end when Marcus Ambrose for no reason whatsoever was shutting off his engine while going uphill oh, and he lost his position uh, because he couldn't blend back into line and so Jimmy inherited the lead and, and rode off into the sunset with it so that was something that would have been agonizing if you were a Marcus Ambrose fan or, or even a Jimmy Johnson hater but I just remember feeling you know there were so many races obviously that, that Jimmy deserved to win and, and like he had the best car and so it feels good every once in a while when like you know you've got the second or third best car and you need a lucky break and he got it that time and it just felt like they had worked so hard to get a win at these road course events and it finally happened for them so for me personally that's my favorite Sonoma race and, and uh, thinking about some others I feel like there's been a, a lot of big accidents at some of these Sonoma events that were pretty memorable for me but thinking about what you've seen out of this track Cole what was your most memorable uh, event from Sonoma yeah well as a Dale fan uh, he's never performed at, at road course races so they've always been kind of like a struggle to watch but the, the biggest one that sticks out to me is going to be Tony Stewart's final win of his career at Sonoma Raceway in 2016 and this was a really cool race and there was a lot of action in it 
It was awesome seeing um, Tony use the bumper, be really aggressive in this race for what he was known for. And, um, you know, a lot of drivers, as we've seen with, with Dale and, and you know, uh, they, they don't really go out with wins. Even Jimmy Johnson, we saw it. He didn't get a win in his final season either. So it was cool to see him get that win at Sonoma. And, you know, we, we kind of started watching towards the, I don't want to say the back end, but near the end of Tony's career. And we didn't get to see the, the dominance he had at these road courses like he was known for when he first got in the series. So it was cool to see him get a win at Sonoma. We saw Watkins Glen really, really early when we started watching NASCAR. So um, to see him get that, that final win of his career at a road course in Sonoma was really cool to see. I forgot about that till you mentioned it, but that is a really good one. I, I that was really memorable at the time, and it definitely sticks out as like the same with uh, with Jeff Gordon. It, it pales in comparison to his final win at Martinsville in 2015, and so you kind of remember that that moment, and, and it definitely sticks out. Um, but thinking about uh, again, Sonoma, you mentioned was one of the earlier races we ever saw. I think uh, when I got into NASCAR, which was in the summer of 2008. It was like the third race that I ever watched, and I just remember Kyle Busch absolutely dominating, and that started his streak of, of a, just a really dominant run in that 2008 season where it seemed like he was a lock to win the championship, uh, and we all know how that ended in 2008. I think he won eight races, but uh, did not end up performing well in the chase, and it was Jimmy Johnson who won his third in a row that year, but um, again, really memorable track throughout the years. You know, if you were to ask me uh, about every track on the circuit, can you remember four or five specific races from that track throughout the last 10 years. There's not a lot you can say that about. But with Sonoma, I feel like it's always something. It's always something pretty memorable happening, whether it's a big accident or if it is something monumental like that with Tony Stewart winning or whatever it might be. So I've been pretty happy with this track. It's always been one of my favorite road course events and one that I've always wanted to attend. So pretty jealous that you get to go there this weekend. Yeah, I'm really excited, you know. Uh, I've always wanted to go to Northern California. Finally going to get that opportunity with News from the Pits, the Money Stop, and the Circuit Journal. So, um, you know, I've never been to a road course race, period. So that should be interesting, finding out how to navigate that 1.99-mile track. Um, And, yeah, I'm just excited to get out there, see some uh, familiar faces in the media center, hopefully get some garage access. But I'm thinking with California's restrictions... I may have missed the boat by a week because I heard that they're opening up pretty much full capacity for media members uh, next week at the All-Star Race. So uh, either way, I'm, I'm really grateful for the opportunity. I'm really excited to get out there and hopefully, you know, try some good wine and uh, see some good racing. Absolutely. I look forward to, to sort of hearing the review from you on our next edition of The Money Stop. That's going to do it for this week. Thank you so much for tuning in. Next week, we will hit the All-Star Race, and for the first time ever, it's going to be run at Texas Motor Speedway, so we can go with sort of a uh, mid-season evaluation trend uh, on on that next show, and we'll have some unique ideas for you there. Um, So that should be a pretty interesting one. Uh, Nonetheless, thank you so much for tuning in once again. Please do subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and everywhere else where podcasts are heard, and follow us on social media for all the great social coverage that we're always posting, uh, great graphics and stats, and and even some kind of funny takes on paint schemes and stuff stuff like that. So at the underscore money shop, you can find all of our episodes there. Please follow along and we will see you next week.